thanks for joining us again. Me and Jared back for another episode. This week is actually a uh, listener sort of request. Uh, Luke on our Instagram account has put up a film called VFW from 2019. Before we get to that though, Jared, let's do a little bit of around the grounds, mate. What have you been watching? I know we've uh, we've recorded recently, so it's probably not that big. But uh, what have you caught up with? Yeah, only a only a small uh, small smaller time between recording, so there's not not a whole lot. But uh, I watched ET. <laughs> I watched ET, ET with the kids. Yeah, uh, still gets me. Absolutely love it. I watched uh, Society. It popped up on uh. Amazon Prime, and I'd never seen it, so I checked that one out. Interesting. <laughs> It's. I didn't mind. Yeah, that's got some weird shit in it, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, look, it, it gets very strange down the stretch. Anyone that's seen it will know, probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it prior to that. It, but yeah, just just it gets a little bit strange. <laughs> it gets a little bit strange with some of the things that are happening down the stretch. I caught up on. I'm starting to to finish off Gotham. I hadn't watched it in quite oh. quite some time, so I jumped onto the fourth season to, to head into the fifth season and knock that over. Still pretty. And how is it? Still pretty crazy. On return. It's a, it's a little bit out there. But, you know, when you do things like Batman and things like that, right, it, like I think one of the things that I do like to see is different people's takes on the material and the characters. And Gotham certainly. It goes its own direction with a few of the characters, so I enjoy some of them. A couple of them are just real stinkers. I thought they just absolutely butchered a few of the characters, but the show itself, I, I don't mind it. So, looking forward to sort of finishing. Is, that. is Batman in it at all? Yeah, Bruce Wayne's in it, and towards the end, he starts to kind of head to that place, which I, you know, I would have preferred to not be in it. Initially, it was uh, like initially I was envisioning something like the the Gotham Central comics that are like the GCPD without Batman around. He's just kind of on the periphery. Yeah, but it it went another direction. It it sort of gave quite hefty roles to Bruce Wayne and Alfred, which I didn't mind so much because the guy that plays Alfred is pretty pretty good. I liked his sort of take on things, but yeah, I don't know. I, I felt. That, have you had any dealings with the? Sorry, mate. Have you had any dealings with the um, the new Alfred show that they put out? Yeah, so I started I it's called Pennyworth or something. I like started that. to watch it. I started to watch the pilot, and I thought to myself, "Look, if I'm going to invest time in this one, maybe I should just go and knock Gotham over and then." move on to this because I believe it's okay. made by the same people like people. there's a few of the same people involved from my understanding is that it's not related to, to Gotham the show it's its own thing but with some of the same people being involved I just I saw a few of the names and thought shit I still haven't finished Gotham so I better better just knock those two seasons over and then then you know I'm free and clear for all this other stuff to get into yeah but yeah I, I haven't heard a whole lot about it I've sort of purposely avoided it so it'll be interesting to see what it's like, but I don't know how far you can go with with that sort of stuff. Yeah. What else did you have? The other one I watched, actually, I, got, I had two more. I watched Free Solo, um, which I'd never never seen. I'd been meaning to watch. It's oh, yeah. on Disney Plus, so I jumped on that and checked it out. It's bloody good, actually. Like those guys are just. Crazy, like I, I it's yeah. it's one of those things where I'll just be looking at it, going, "Nah, <laughs> if it, like there's that high a risk, yeah, I'd be doing that. You could die. That nah, it's just not for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, they go into that. The guy's obviously got he's he's very different. He processes and thinks about things differently. Clearly, um, and they they have a scene where you know he's essentially getting an MRI scan, and they said, "What is it, the amygdala or whatever they call it?" He said, "They basically said yours just doesn't kind of." doesn't light up to where to where normal people would get excited about things yours just doesn't doesn't even fucking register so you need right. sort of a higher level of things that are gonna stimulate you basically which kind of right, so that's why he does what he does yeah yeah but seeing him actually do the do the um, climbing is pretty fucking breathtaking so yeah I would I would check that out if you haven't seen it and the last one I watched was I got around to Black Christmas finally the, the new one right it was uh, 
interesting in in the way that it approached things. Like it's definitely like a, a Me Too slasher. And I thought mm. a couple of the ideas in there were actually quite good. And I thought the character, the lead character, was sort of quite believable in in the way that she was approaching certain things. But it probably missed the mark a little bit going the PG thirteen uh, route. Although I did I did kind of read an interview with the the director that kind of justified why she did that and I can understand why she did it but I just I felt it wasn't all that successful because she was saying as a woman she was kind of trying to avoid the the gore factor and kind of ramp up the the chills and the the mm. tension which I completely understand but I felt that it didn't do that very well like it, there wasn't a lot of tension and there wasn't a lot of kind of um, scares that way no. and you know down the stretch things get a little Again, a little bit off track, but I, I sort of appreciated that that it was something that actually tried to have something to say, because sometimes you'll get a slasher yeah. that just doesn't have a lot to say, and when you kind of see it over and over, you do sort of appreciate someone actually using the the medium to sort of throw something out there, which which I thought was was worthwhile. So yeah, I didn't didn't mind it. Yeah, look, I would agree with you that the effort and the attempt to do something different with the slasher was good to see. Mm. The problem for me was exactly what you just said. It was not a good slasher film. Yeah. The, the slasher elements were very average, like very. Mm. And I totally agree. I'm, I'm a big fan of Imogen Poots, and I thought she was really, really good. And her character, as you say, the whole idea of sexual assault and all that type of stuff, was was I felt worthy of being looked at, you know, and being explored. But the genericness of the slasher elements, the the ending which I understood was kind of like was meant to be like subtext and all that type of stuff, but it was just ham-fisted. And, I mean, it's probably worth me looking back on it again, having another look. But I agree with you, a little bit more gore wouldn't have gone astray and I don't really see... Why you couldn't have at least put some some in there? You didn't have to go overboard and have you know, everybody murdered in awful ways. Yeah, but you could have had it in there at least once. Yeah, to try and show us the. I am totally fine with with a movie if you, if you choose not to go the gore route. I mean, to be quite frank, in in particular movies, I kind of detest it when they go for the gore without any of the the chills. So yeah. I've, I've got no problem with them going the other way. You know what? My my favourite of the, the classic slashes is Halloween, and it's probably the the, the most yeah. bloodless of, of all of them. But if you're going to do that, you got to you got to get the, the the scares right, and the the sort of scenes where the the killer is sort of stalking around are just they're not very good. Yeah, they're just kind of flat. Yeah, and the ending was you know the ending's been a little bit bit controversial. I'm not going to spoil anything, but I feel mm. like. When it was going on, I was like, "Okay, I get what they're trying to say here. I, I, I understand what they're what they're saying um, and the message they're putting out, which is kind of cool." But I think the how it was going to play in as as part of the movie kind of got lost in the subtext a little bit. That was probably my biggest yeah. biggest thing about the ending. Yeah, I would agree with that. And look, I, I look at that, and I look at. The new Halloween, which I felt sort of was also a Me Too-inspired slasher, and the new Halloween is, you know, ten times. Ten times the, the movie that... Yeah, I would, take, I would take is. that every every day of the week, but... Um, so, yeah, I think it's doable. Thing. I mean, yeah. Halloween kind of backed off a little bit, you yeah. know, like it didn't take it quite as far in the direction that Black Christmas did. So, yeah, there's a little bit of apples and oranges there. But I think Halloween handled it pretty well in the confines of a slasher film. Yeah, and I think the the scenes were much scarier in Halloween. But yeah, I feel like Black Christmas has got a bit of a bad rap because some people just absolutely tore it to pieces. And I think perhaps that was why I was more positive towards it when I watched it. I was thinking it's not that bad. But yeah, I, I, I feel like if you've heard it's absolutely dreadful and you're steering clear because of that, maybe check it out because I don't think it's as bad as some people yeah. made it out to be. I think any self-respecting horror fan should have a look at it just to see what they were trying to do. Yeah, for Even sure. Even if it's unsuccessful, which I felt it was, it doesn't take away from the fact that at least they were trying to push a little bit 
Yeah, well, it's another another and in the blockhouse kind of sort of stable of we don't make it unless there's a there's what we consider to be an interesting idea behind it. You can see where that that was present. Yeah, so. exactly. So appreciate what they tried to do, but yeah, on the on the level of a slasher film, it didn't work. Yeah, it missed a few marks there. Not certainly for me. Yep. Yeah. Anything else, mate? That was it for me. My eye was very lean. I finished off City on a Hill. Ah, yes. Uh, Kevin Bacon again. <laughs> Just, I, I don't need to say it, but yeah, he sizzles. Look, it was really, it was quite enjoyable. A little bit convoluted, uh, and not, I wouldn't call it exciting, excitement plus. You know, not there's not like action packed things happening every five minutes, mm. but it's a nice little um, sort of drama thriller. And and Bacon is is a really good sort of foil and plays kind of a smarmy sort of bad guy. Well, not bad guy, but a kind of like a guy with loose morals. Yeah. Um, and it's worth worth checking out for him alone, I reckon. Right. And the only other thing I watched was, and I'm sure I believe you watched as well, was the Dark Side of the Ring episode that just dropped. Oh yes, I did. Uh, actually, about yeah. the brawl for all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! What was <laughs> what was going on? In the uh, WWF back then, as I said to you, mate, at, at the time when the brawl for all was on, I was watching weekly. I was I was obsessed with wrestling again at that time. It was sort of um, it had come back into my life in a in a, in a sense, and um, I was lucky enough to see plenty of the brawl for all <laughs> as God. it was happening. But fuck, it's just it just crazy. feels like to me, and I I was not a massive wrestling guy. You know, I was more of a 80s and 90s wrestling, early 90s, late 80s wrestling guy, you yeah. know, the Hulk Hogan's and the, and the Jake the Snakes and those guys, but fell out of it after that. But just watching that just makes me wonder, what were they thinking? I mean, they had a built-in audience to what they were doing, you know, yeah. wrestling, the storylines, the, you know, everyone knew it was choreographed and the storylines were kind of, you know, it was kind of theatre. Yeah. You know? But the funny thing is that it, they they... Um, on the episode, it goes into it briefly, but obviously the Attitude Era where The Rock and Stone Cold and those guys were, were dominating it, that came after a pretty rough patch in the 90s, and they show some of that, um, which was one of the funniest parts when they roll out that bloody man tour. <laughs> oh, yeah. couldn't get in the ring. Yeah. But I think if, I, if my memory serves me, at the time that the Brawl for All was going on, wrestling was back. At the time that yeah. it was happening, The Rock and the Stone and Stone Cold and that had already started that upward trajectory again. So this was kind of yeah. it was fucking weird. <laughs> but yeah, the, the episode well, is it was uh, kind of typically typically good. I think it's a really good series. Yeah, on the back of something as serious as like um, the Chris Benoit stuff, it's it doesn't hold up to things like that. But it is a really fun thing to have a look at in depth. Yeah. But it just seems weird that they tried to sort of go with a what you would call like a mixture of boxing and I mean it wasn't even MMA like you can't actually call not trying to do MMA I mean quite frankly I couldn't stop laughing at these supposed takedowns as they dive at blokes' legs wearing yeah. their boxing gloves and <laughs> they look like the mummy like this yeah. was just. And the boxing was just to shambles. They were just swinging haymakers and hoping that they might connect. Yeah. A couple of blokes got absolutely tagged too. Yeah, yeah. Bart Gunn certainly certainly put a couple of people's uh, yeah. fist through a couple and of people's And I felt for him because he got screwed. Yeah, he did, yeah. They, they were saying that, you know, we'd give him a shot. But they basically just blackballed him because he wasn't the guy that they wanted. Yeah. Which is an absolutely ridiculous concept considering you put this together where it was basically a free-for-all. Yeah, you put it together knowing... You couldn't, you couldn't work out who was going to win. Yeah. I mean, as I said, the guy that they were expecting to win had years of kind of high-level football and wrestling under his belt, but he was 38 at the time, coming off injuries. Did like, he pull a hammy? Yeah, he did a hammy just before he got knocked senseless. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. He, and that, that finished his career, essentially. Because oh, as they say in the docker, he was, they, were, they were shaping him up for a run with Stone Cold Steve Austin. He jumps into the brawl for all, gets knocked out, and then he was fucking, after he came back from injury, he was barely relevant and then disappeared after a couple of years. I believe he's actually passed on yeah. now too. So he's. Uh, I mean, look, it's a, it's a cutthroat business. That's one thing this show has sort of 
reiterated. Yeah. It's a very cutthroat business. Yep. And there's not a lot of, uh, yeah, unless you're a guy like The Rock who basically hits the scene or a stone cold and basically makes a, makes a splash, you don't tend to hang around. Yeah. It's short-term stuff, you know. And... Yeah, you know, it's hard not to feel for a couple of the players in that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Basically where it all ended up. Yep. So very, very enjoyable series, though. Um, uh, definitely worth watching if anyone's uh, interested in it. All right, that was me. Let's take a break, Jared, and watch the trailer for VFW. Oh, Lord. Oh, there you go. You've been at this, haven't you? I have. Uh huh. To us. Still here. Still here. You know where you are, kid? In the uh, VFW post. How about we close the bar down early tonight? What do you got going on? The best birthday that Freddie ever got. Q&A time, kid. I see, the problem is that me and my old friends are probably going to die tonight unless you help us out to understand what's happening here. You steal this? Foz killed my sister, all right? This, though, it's all he's got his whole life. G-F-W. What is that? Veterans of foreign wars. Good. Soldiers are good at dying. There's only one satisfactory solution, and that is we get our product back and each of you die. You are a soldier. So we all. Let's act like it. We set a perimeter. We make our stand. You'll all die very, very slowly. You last. What are we gonna do? Do it. Because you make a mistake. I'm gonna cut your heart out. You and me both know it. This ain't the only option. We can push Miss Teen USA right back out to the way she came in. It's for you that we're doing all of this. I never asked for your goddamn help, Gramps. The second you walked through that door, we were duty-bound to help you. Let's go. VFW from 2019, directed by Joe Bigos, who directed Bliss. I hope I've pronounced his name properly. I'm not 100% sure, but written by Max Bralia and Matthew McArdle. It's produced by Josh Either, who produced Almost Human, Amanda Presmick, who produced Dragged Across Concrete, and Dallas Sonia, who produced Bone Tomahawk, which is a very good film. It stars Stephen Lang as Fred Paris, William Sadler as Walter Reed, Fred Williamson as Abe Hawkins, and Martin Cove as Lou Clayton. I couldn't find a budget for it. I'm assuming it's fairly low. And it must have only been released very in limited release because the box office I have here is 23,000 worldwide, so must have had a short run in some festivals and things like that. Now... If you look closely at the theatre, there's a poster for a uh, techno horror film that I briefly flirted with when we did... What was that technological horror film I had you had us watch? I can't even remember. Ghost in the Machine. Oh, Ghost in the Machine. (laughs) Uh, No, this one was called for Brain Scared. I don't know if you ever remember Brain Scared. Yeah, with I, the trickster? I don't remember seeing it, but I, I am familiar with the trickster for some reason. Yes. And he was kind of like a cut-rate Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're probably lucky I ducked that one for Ghost in, Ghost in the Machine. No, I'd, have rather, not, watch, I'd not, have rather watch Brain Scan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I'm still up for it. <laughs> All right, stuff it in. Brain Scan next week. <laughs> I think it's on iTunes. Is it? Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, is that, did that one have Eddie Furlong in it? Yeah, I think it did. Ah, his career hit the shit. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, but I think that was another. Yeah, that was another one along the lines of uh, what was his name, Horace Pinker or whatever, that was supposed to be a, yeah, a, yeah. the next Freddy Krueger. The trickster was going to be the next Freddy Krueger. <laughs> the name of a movie has never been so apt. <laughs> Oh dear. That movie, I was, I was never a fan of that. Look, I, I, I suggest, Jared, I'm putting it right out here. We need to do a rewatch of Shocker. Yeah, absolutely. Because I haven't seen it since '89 or whatever when it actually came out. Are you sure? Because I, um, I watched it. It must have been early 2000s. And I watched it. No, I, think I've, I've I watched have. I watched it once. Wiped it from it. <laughs> it from my memory. Yeah, I'm thinking I must have watched it with someone, and you're usually suspect number one. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that immediately springs to mind. Is that what you say? Yeah, yeah. When I say I watched, um, I, I, when I say to myself, some idiot made me watch um, Shocker. Usually that idiot is you. So. <laughs> and idiot number yeah, two mate, I was that thing like a dirty yeah. ass in '89. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in 89, you could wipe your ass, but now you can't get enough toilet paper to do that. So. <laughs> the good old days yeah, of 1989. <laughs> when you had, no, you had no concerns about whether you're going to be able to wipe your backside or not. The, the easier times. Yeah, they were. They were good times. Um, uh, sorry, we're off the topic here. Uh, all right, I will give you my thoughts on... VFW, I really enjoyed it. And, in fact, it kind of was like a gloriously over-the-top, gory sort of riff on Assault on Precinct 13, which I love. I always love that type of film where, you know, you, you barricade yourself in and you, you're trapped and, you know, there's a small group. You've got a sort of, you've got limited weapons. I love that. It always works for me. And um, this is no exception. And it's anchored by an excellent cast of guys who've done genre work, and they they deliver really well on it. The villains are a little bit underdeveloped, but for me, it's difficult not to like it when the film is spends most of its time with that group trapped in the in in the in the VFW itself. So, mate, I think it works a treat, and I gave it three and a half out uh, three and a half out of five. Yeah, I, um, I hovered near a four. Yeah, I'm the same. I was, I was the same. I was very close to a four, but I, I ended up at a three and a half as well. I think um, what you said is is pretty much spot on. Like it, it's, it doesn't bring anything new to the genre, but it, it is a movie that I've, same as you. I'm, I'm always a fan of this sort of stuff. If you can, yeah. if you can take those kind of minimal elements and and. Um, as you said, just just uh, uh, somebody in that location trying to get out, and I feel like they've got the necessary motivations here to make it all happen. As you said, they ramp up the gore a little bit. I love seeing those sort of scenes of what have we got that we can use here, and how they manage yeah. to use them, and they do it all pretty well. Like it's a, it's a hell of a good time if this is your sort of movie. And as you mentioned, uh, this is the sort of stuff that I like to watch, and that. It's sort of there's not as much of it anymore. Now it's always oh here's a bit of a throwback picture, and but fuck I, I would love to see more of this sort of stuff. So yeah, I was at yeah. three and a half as well. Absolutely. Look immediately out of the blocks on the likes. It opens with the fact that the film is actually presented by Fangoria magazine. Now mm. uh, this for me it seems like a a nothing thing, but for me it brings back a shitload of nostalgia because I basically read this magazine and bought it monthly f- from the time I was about 13 mm. till I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s, I think. Yeah. I loved the magazine. I always had it. I had hundreds of issues. And so there's a real nostalgia and to see Fangoria come back because I believe it disappeared. Is that not correct? Yeah, it did. Um, it for a little for bit. A it was shut down and then it, now it's reappeared as a sort of like three-monthly. Yep. Issues every three months, and it's great to see that it's back and it's it's involved in films and it's involved in something of this level of quality mm. for for me personally. Like it's good to see them being involved in a film that that I really enjoyed. So you know that was a small like, but it's just really interesting to see that come up. Yeah, no. a lot of time for Fangoria. It sort of shaped my horror movie 
I guess, life and interest in horror film. Yeah, well, I was the the, the same by kind of by connection to you, basically, because you would buy it. Yeah, you, te- you cheated second. when I said, do you want to watch Brain Scan? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You yeah. <laughs> were this close to dropping off the horror horror train when I said, oh, Brain Scan's a good film. Yeah, Brain Scan's all right. What about Shocker? Have you seen Shocker? <laughs> um, no, I think, but it was, the, yeah, it was this, you know, every time I'd be over at your place in those sort of years, which was pretty regularly, there'd be issues yeah. of Fango laying around. So I'd just fucking pick them up and I, I wasn't purchasing them because I knew you already had them. So I'd, <laughs> I'd, keep that, I'd, keep that, I'd keep that money in the sky rocket and then go and spend it on shit movies instead. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a similar sort of thing. It brings back kind of memories of, you know, those covers and the, the, the articles and things like that. And, um, yeah. I briefly mentioned it last episode when we when we brought this up, but I couldn't remember whether it was Fango or Horrorhound, but I knew there was an article that I'd read, and so I went back to the issue, and obviously being a Fango film, it was in Fangoria. They did about three yeah. pages, I think it was about three or four pages on this yeah. um, in the last issue that I picked up. So sat down and read that, and yeah, it's just, as you said, it brings us kind of nostalgia, and it's good to see Fangoria kind of back in a, in a form that is... Is I mean it's I, I feel like it's better now than when it went away because it's as you said that three monthly it gets a chance to put these big features together which is which is really cool to see. Yeah, it has a little bit more time to actually give you quality product instead of every month they kind of were starting to scratch around for for things to go on. Yeah, which. You know that ha- that I think that happens when you're putting out a monthly magazine. Mm-hmm. It's no matter what you're putting out. Yep. So just you know that was a really good start to it. A solid cast of good actors. Yeah, um, really good. It's really good to see some of those guys. You know, I haven't seen William Sadler for Donkey's Years. You know, Martin Cove. You know, these guys have been sort of off my radar, so to speak. Mm. But. It's good to see them back. I love Fred Williamson. Yep. I've got a lot of time for Fred Williamson. I mean, every time I see him, all I can think of is, you got something to say to them? You say it to me first, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. his Dust Till Dawn character. Yep. And he kind of just sort of plays a similar style. Yeah, well, when but you it, look at it, a lot of these guys stuff. have done this kind of thing before. Like, Sadler was in Demon Knight, Dust Till Dawn for, um, for Fred Williamson. You got David Patrick Kelly, who was... Uh, although it's not He's one like, uh, well, he was in the crow, but he was also in the Warriors. He was he was not oh, yeah. one of the good guys. He was he was kind of the head, the head villain in the end. But you know, the Warriors is a similar thing. They're not uh, not in one location, but they've got to fight their way from one part of New York to another. It's 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 got that kind of DNA from all these actors. So to to yeah. put them together in one of these films was was really cool. I think it's it's one of those things where you see it, and the people that are familiar with some of that genre stuff are just kind of nodding their head thinking yeah this is these are the guys we kind of want to see like it's fun to see them all in this yeah. in this scenario together and yeah look it was when when Luke uh, brought this up to to us on Instagram his his comment was worth looking at just for the cast and so I let, I, I quickly checked out the cast because he'd actually mentioned um, the director previous in you know, some previous posts we had some back and forth and he'd sort of mentioned this director before and he mentioned this one I couldn't find it because it hadn't yet been put on iTunes I don't believe and then the other day he brought it back up and he said the cast you know worth having a look at the cast and I had a quick look and I was like yeah you know I like all these guys and I really, I'd like to see what this is this is about you know is it, it, where does it fit and you know I'm a, I'm a big fan of Stephen Lang he has a really commanding presence yep um, and it works perfectly for the the idea of him being the platoon sergeant to all these guys back in Vietnam mm-hmm. and so it, it and then it sort of manifests he becomes a leader again in this situation and he he does it really really well and um I think the cast in general is is top of the line across the board. Obviously, there we mentioned, you know, the, the, that they have ties to the genre stuff, but it's similar to what we were talking about with Machete. Like, um, they're reliable guys. Stephen Lang is a very good actor. David Patrick Kelly's a guy who's always pretty reliable. Same with William yep. Sadler. Like, these guys are, are, are solid actors. So you, you're getting them to do the job. And then you get someone like Fred Williamson who is just dripping with Karis Armour, mate. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> 
he's he's just awesome to see on screen. Like every time he's talking a bit of back and forth with someone, you just he just oozes that charm. And so, yeah. like you said, you, you love seeing those guys on the screen, but they also they're going to do the job for you. They're not going to let you down in in that. Like Stephen Lang Especially is just Lang. he fits this role perfectly because, as you're saying, he's got that kind of presence. He he seems like a, a guy with this sort of background. Yeah, and for me. If you're working with a small budget, which I'm sure this was, I'm not saying this was minuscule budget, but this would have been smaller budget, you get guys like this and it puts you, puts your, your film up a notch, right? Because you're working with guys who understand how to do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And you don't really have to direct them as closely. And speaking of direction, I actually think the direction's pretty good. He does a really good job of creating a, an atmosphere and a tone. He does some really cool shots, one in particular involving from behind a handgun. Yeah. Where the guy they call Dead Eye shoots five guys in a row. Yep. Really cool shot. The action scenes are, are directed with, you know, a bit of style and a bit of excitement, you know, like there's there's a there's something happening and it's really well done. So I think from a directorial standpoint, I kind of really like what this bloke bring, brings to the table and I'd actually like to have a look at his previous films. He's got another couple but that I believe are based on iTunes so, yeah, it might be worth having a quick look at them. Yeah, well, I'd heard of Bliss but I haven't haven't watched it yet but, yeah, after checking this one out, I'll, I'll definitely be looking at that one. I, I, I'd agree. I think he, he does a pretty good job of working with what's clearly a kind of small scale but mm. not really showing it. Like, the gang... You don't get too many things that show you, oh, they don't have a lot of people to work with. He shoots it in sort of yeah. the confined space really well that the gang does seem like they have overwhelming numbers and it never kind of shows off that it's that probably doesn't have that much money to spend. Well, they give you that nice shot when you see Lizard running towards the VFW with the bag and you can see a group, a decent group behind her. Yeah. But that's kind of it. It's not like there's 200 people. No. So... They do a job of just sort of showcasing that there's there's a good twenty people, or it looks pretty decent size, and then they shoot in the confines of the of the VFW. So you yeah. never sort of think to yourself, well, where are the where are the others? Where are the other that's hundred right. that we we thought we saw? Yeah, that's right. So because they're in the confines of the VFW, it does seem like there's just you know numbers that continue to stream through because you just yeah as you said you get you get those couple of scenes where people are busting in and then you get a break from it but you never really get much of outside other than the main villains sort of standing together out the front so I, yeah i felt like he did a pretty good job of not kind of trying to show too much there and then by extension accidentally showing us that your group of people is actually pretty small because we couldn't afford a hell of a lot and, um, yeah and so so it works to sort of keep that tension that you you can't just leave. Yeah. So I think that works well. The FX, rock solid. Yeah. I think they do pretty well practically. It's quite gory, quite a bit of, of heavy-duty axe work and a few other things. Yeah, yeah. And plenty, I think all of that's pulled off pretty well. Yeah, it's all pretty yeah, good. Yeah, a lot of axe work, Christ. It's all pretty good. Like there's a lot of uh, lot of sequences where they've got to use those those what seems mostly practical stuff. There's a lot of a lot of sequences where it's on full display and it holds up pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. The music, I really like the music. I mean, it's it's a it's a love letter to John Carpenter. Yeah, and it's classic sort of synth eighties. Yeah, simple repetitive sort of, stuff like. Yeah. And yeah, look, nobody's going to say, "Oh, look, it's 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 super complex," but it works again to build that tension, very much like something like, say, the thing, for instance. Yeah, it just has that throbbing sort of beat. I feel like um, it's, it um, it's one of those those elements of the movie where you can see it's clearly taken from somewhere else, but they do it a good enough job that you're not sitting there going, "Oh, Jesus," you know, they they they've just ripped this off and just screwed it up completely. They've actually kind of, you know, made a made a, a score that you're okay with. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And, in fact, the uh, the music at the opening and the, the sort of the, the scroll, the information they put up on the screen, reminded me very reminiscent of something like Escape from New York. Yeah, definitely. You know, the start of Escape from New York has that. Yep. And so I liked that. It kind of felt like a little homage and it was another cool way to kick the film off, give us a little bit of info about the drugs and all that sort of stuff and the fact that it's kind of become a sort of an epidemic and 
you know, it was kind of like uh, something like ice or whatever. Yeah. And I actually thought there was a quite a good scene where he throws the, the drugs over the off the, the the second floor balcony or whatever and says to the girl, go get it. And she's so hopped up and so desperate for drugs, she dives after it, basically. Yeah. And so I like that because it just quickly and succinctly set the scene that this stuff, how addictive this stuff is and how desperate these people are to get it. Hence why they'll stop at nothing to get into the VFW later. Mm. So I kind of like that, just a nice little touch. I thought that was also set up pretty no- pretty nicely. Like, we only had a couple of minutes with them, but we got all the info that we needed, and then, you know, the next 20-odd minutes or so is just the, the guys in the VFW, really, other than yeah. sort of cutting back to them very briefly to see Lizard taking the drugs and, and setting things in motion. But I really liked the setup with the the guys inside the VFW because it was sort of yeah they're talking a bit of shit back and forth but it sort of sets up what you need it sets up that Lang is the guy that's kind of running the show he's looking after the VFW so you get the sense that oh yeah he's the guy that sort of takes charge of things when they need to be done you get the sense that Martin Coe's character is has kind of moved on a bit better um, and that comes back sort of later on in the way that he reacts when, when it starts up again that he doesn't doesn't want a bar of it like um, whereas the yeah. other guys seem to have never really left it. Yeah, I, I felt all that back and forth in there was was quite good to show off the kind of chemistry that these guys had. I felt like Sadler and Lane yeah. were pretty good together especially, but the group yeah. as a whole, was it was kind of cool to see them sort of riffing off each other and talking a bit of shit. And yeah, the banter worked. It was natural. Mm. It felt felt real, and I think that's important because you needed to get these guys together and see that they were a close group who had been to, been through hell previously. Yeah. And so when the shit hits the fan, they will adapt to what they had previously done. And I like the idea that Martin Cove wasn't quite comfortable with that. He mm. kind of does come back to it briefly, but he never quite gets to where the other guys are, are quick to pick up a weapon and get involved. Yeah. But Cove kind of steps back. And I kind of liked that. I thought it was a nice little wrinkle to uh, otherwise, you know, character development was not high here, but you really didn't have to, you just needed to give us a little piece about everyone and then it was going to cut loose, you know, the the whole shebang was going to go off and I think that they did a really good job. Yeah, I liked how it introduced Deadeye as well, like the way he just sort of wanders into the bar and then it allows them to, to give us a little more kind of, talk about their own backgrounds by telling him about yeah. it and yeah you get a couple of funny moments in there I mean the chemistry is there throughout I mean I love the moment when they say where what was it they're saying something about um, where, oh Stephen Lang says we make our stand and Sadler goes yeah remember the Alamo and Fred Williams fucking takes the drink and they goes, all died at the Alamo they all died at the Alamo and then David Patrick Kelly who's on his fucking deathbed and hasn't had a line in a while pops up and goes oh you dumb shit <laughs> like <laughs> that, that stuff was all good. I really liked that. Yeah. As I said, it, was, it felt sort of natural, a bit of back and forth. So. Yeah, agreed. I also liked the fact that just coming back to the to the whole drug thing and how the, you know, it's quite addictive and you know, people do whatever it takes, I also liked the fact that the, the villain kind of calls out over the PA, the drugs are missing, you track her down. It kind of puts everything in motion and once again, it puts these addicted people with like a, you know, a kind of a goal. Must catch up with Lizard, must get these drugs. Yeah, and it was, I mean, that stuff, again, it's one of those things that always just seems to to work. I mean, I think we did, we saw that in the raid, didn't we? We definitely saw it in Dread when Marmar gets Well, it's funny, um, I remember seeing it also in, um, it was a SWAT. The movie SWAT, mm. where the whole the guy sort of says, "I'll one million dollars, a hundred million dollars, anyone who'll break me out," and so all these you know gangs and shit come out of the woodwork. Yeah. You know, so the the same thing applies here, and it works because once again we're saying these guys will stop at nothing. Well, that's right. And they're they, kind they, of like they, so hopped up on this shit they can't. They can't look at it and go, "Someone's coming out with me with an axe. I better just leave." Well, <laughs> well that's know? right. They established that you know. With the, as you said, it was it was pretty simple. The girl jumping off the ledge. It's like they'd established that these guys are absolutely desperate to 
to get it. Yeah. So they will do what, what this guy's called out, you know, to put the call out to do. So Once Lizard hits the v, VFW, just everything just goes up a notch. Right, immediately. <laughs> it is just odd. These blokes are getting chopped and hacked and shot. We get the head stomp by William Sadler, and there's yeah. another one where a bloke is partway in the door. Yep. And Lang's just going to town with an axe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they have the... Um, so he can close the door? I mean, almost immediately, David Patrick Kelly's character, I can't remember their names, but he gets hit straight away. And it sort of yeah. shocked me a little bit because I was like, I knew this is, I knew this was going to happen, but he gets a good one immediately as soon as as soon as it all starts going on. And I thought, oh shit, yeah, is he gone already? <laughs> then obviously, yeah. you know, he's, he's kind of an element of surprise, sort of thing. Yeah, and then as you said, Sadler goes in. Then Stephen Lang proceeds to shoot that bloke, and the guy essentially just fucking blows up on the spot. <laughs> it's just. It, it's it's a it's a matter of minutes before we're stamping heads and cutting arms off and yeah it was just on yeah I loved it I really actually enjoyed the scene where Stephen Lane goes to to the truck and he gets the girl is in the the female villain is in the back and grabs him around the neck yeah and he uses the keys to stab her and then he gets out of the car and as he turns he turns around there's a bloke coming straight at him with a with a machete. Mm. And then Sadler saves him, bails him out with a shotgun, you know. Like, I thought that stuff was really well. It was tight. It was it was exciting. It was tense, you know. Like, it was all going really, really well. And I think from a directorial standpoint, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons, I think, why the film works is because it's, it's really strongly directed in those sequences. So it kind of wrings every morsel out of it. Yeah, I, th- I thought those sequences were, qu- were, qu- were quite solid. The tension was there. You knew these guys were around. You, just, you knew it was going to hit at some point, but you didn't necessarily know exactly where it was going to hit. But, yeah, I was like you. you, you the, the, the scenes didn't necessarily bring anything new to the table, but they were directed in a, in a nifty kind of stylish sort of fashion, so they were really enjoyable all the way through. Yeah, and the film kind of builds here. We get several attempts to kind of bust their way in, and it is just on. I mean, one bloke gets impaled on some antlers. <laughs> yeah. <And> yes. <laughs> he gets impaled on some antlers, you know, kind of Silent Night, Deadly Night style. Stephen Lang goes to town with an axe and takes about three heads off. <laughs> yeah. I think this is what I like about these these movies sometimes. I like the creativity of what do we got here and what would realistically be in this location. And for the most yeah. part, these guys have got what you would expect them to have. There was a few things I was looking at going, shit, where'd that come from? But most of it, like <laughs> the stuff hanging on the walls and, and yeah. you know, using the billiard table, using the, the, the stools to fucking knock the legs off and and um, sharpen yeah. them up and things like that. Like I, I enjoy it when they actually go to the lengths to say, all right, what would you be, what would you be able to turn into a weapon in this place? Um, and they use the beer kegs with the spikes through it yeah. to swing down and take that dude out. Yep. I mean, it's very, like, I appreciate the time and effort put into finding something that they can use rather than, oh, I just found it, I just happened to find a machine gun in the back or something like that. Yep. So I appreciated that and I think they did a really good job with it. And that period is just sustained with half a dozen attempts to get in. You know, that big dude comes in, they all take him on, they all fail, and then Lizard just leaps on his back and just starts stabbing him in the throat over and over. And then Deadeye just comes up and knees him in the head so many times his head just basically <laughs> ends up like mush. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was pretty like, full I, on, that one. I loved it. Yeah. It was over the top but in, in the right possible way. And we, we talked about this in, when we did Machete, you know, the same thing. You accepted that it was over the top and you dealt with it, and I think that that's part of what makes this film enjoyable as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you put it nicely there. It's it's over the top in the right ways. It's the ways that you kind of want it to be over the top is where it, yeah. where it hits the marks. I actually, I, I think, uh, I'm, and I'm not saying that the film is terribly realistic, but I, I like the way that they set up 
the world. And it, it's the same as what you were saying about the, the, how they set up the, the drug and how people would do this. I like the way that they set up the world where this would happen with no outside interference going on. And, you know, there's, there's a couple of throwaway lines like Sadler saying, um, cavalry ain't coming. This, this, in this neighbourhood, gunshots are like crickets. And, and yeah. you know, placing this in a world where this could actually happen. I mean, the gang... A couple of times I was looking at it and I'm saying there are a couple of, you know, more outlandish costume and colour choices away from being the Mad Gear Gang in Final Fight or something like that, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which was what I sort of liked. I like ideas like that in movies like The Warriors where it's a little bit kind of outlandish, but they're, they, they kind of... They're exciting. They ramp up the excitement levels, and they they use those gangs and and the, the, the sort of over the top nature of them to to ramp up the the sort of excitement a little bit. Yeah, agreed. I kind of liked Lou's death. It felt a little generic that Lou tries to do the whole "I'll negotiate." Yeah, I'll absolutely. Negotiate. I'll go out there, and then you know he calms down, and then he slips out the back door before anyone can stop him, and and he goes and he tries to negotiate. It doesn't work. And I thought for a second they were going to just go real generic by just shooting him. Yeah. But then he finds a bit of fire and he kind of ends it by having a big blue with him and belting a few blokes before he gets shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and was kind of like that. Well, I thought exactly the same. I thought we knew sort of this was – it felt like this was where it was going to go. And then when he did it, I was the same as you. I was thinking, yeah, it's a little bit little bit cliched. But I'll tell you the part that I loved is that as as you said, he goes out with a bit of pepper and belts a few blokes on the on the way out. But the fact that after that happens, they go back inside and Doug, David pa- uh, hmm. David Patrick Kelly's character, has gone too. Um, yes. you know, he he goes too and it's like well that was kind of the catalyst for trying to ramp up getting out of here was to get him to a hospital yeah. or whatever. So when Lou does that and then you get that fucking extra kick that it didn't matter anyway, it's just yeah. like, oh, fuck. That, that actually, there was actually a bit of a sting to it. Yeah, and that's when they decide to just hunker down and I love that little monologue he says to the bloke when they come face to face. Yeah, and that was he cool. He says, if you, you're going to come, you need to come hard because if you make a mistake, I'll cut your heart out. Yeah. Yeah, that was and cool. I thought that was great. Like, and he just holds the axe up in front of the hole. Yeah, as if to say, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And I thought that was really, really a good way to sort of lead into the finale, which is just fucking bonkers. It's just an orgy of violence. Yeah, yeah it's, it's <laughs> everywhere. Fred Williams is snorting bloody hype prior to. Well, that was the, again when that happened. I was like, I was expecting that at some point, but. Yeah, for him to do it, and the, you know how it all takes place, you still look at it as as we were saying before. You look at Fred Williamson doing it, and then he starts kind of, you know, a little bit of twitching and steps out there, and he's like, he got a bit of a, you know, come on, like you just like, he gives us, yeah, he gives us the old, yeah, hand gesture, come on, yeah, and he gives a little point, like he he sort of. I can't remember what someone does, but he gives like a little two finger point, and you're like, "Yeah, it had to be him. It had yeah. definitely had to be him to be yeah. to be doing that." And it's again another yeah. another thing that you were sort of expecting to happen. Another box that, but that once they had their hands on the drugs, you were thinking that that was a possibility that this might come up that one of them would do that. But you still loved every minute of it because it was Fred Williamson doing it, and it was him in his classic kind of style. So. Yeah, yeah, and agreed. Cool. You, you kind of had to hit that mark. You had to hit it. Yeah. Because you had him there, you had to kind of to find that, that point. And I think that they, they, they brought it up at the perfect time just prior to everything kicking off. And, you know, the finale is as good as the, the lead-up. It kind of it comes right to the point of, you know, it's, look, it's super over the top, but enjoyable as hell. You know, I really enjoyed that last 20 minutes, I thought they kind of really ramped it and rammed it home. Yeah, I had a blast um, with that. I thought it was really good. Yeah, and my final like was the the toast at the end. I just felt it was such a nice way to finish, and that sounds strange, but the fact that we'd kind of started with, you know, having shots and, yeah. and you know, toasting to us as soldiers and all that sort of stuff, those guys are soldiers and everything like that. And getting one more little yeah. gag out of Fred Williamson. Yeah, and it just it just perfectly encapsulated, and it was kind of like a also a um, final sort of toast to the two guys who died, and and the, or the three guys that had died, 
as part of their platoon, and I thought that was a really, really good way to finish. Yeah, I thought it was good. I actually, I actually felt the um, the way that they dealt with the head honcho too was pretty solid. Mm. The call back to the zip lighter and the, the fucking big yeah. truck ramming into him yeah. and that sort of shit like that was that was super satisfying the way that that all went down. So. Yeah, I thought it was it was pretty deftly handled. Yeah, for the most part, there was limited issues for me. Do you have any other likes that you wanted to bring up? No, that was that was pretty much it. As far as issues are concerned, I I felt the villains were undercut, probably more so from a perspective of time on screen. They're not really. In it greatly, yeah, a little, which bit. is good because we spend more time with the crew, which, which works. Yeah, the main villain's probably the weakest link in the acting department too. Well, I felt he, like he was. I felt like he needed to be like a little more over the top, or if you were going to go with the the direction that they went with, it had to be an actor that had a similar sort of gravitas to to Lang to yeah. ramp up the kind of the threat. Because he just wasn't quite. Now, I don't think that the guy was a, necessarily a bad actor, but I just felt no. like for the role, we needed someone who was going to be either like a massive sort of unit, more physically threatening, or if that, if he was going to be kind of um, how this guy looked, which I was okay with, he needed to have a bit more presence. Yeah. I look at something like Green Room, for instance. You got someone like Patrick Stewart who's playing a very under like he's playing a he's not over the top, but there's a, there's a ton of menace to that. Yeah, and it's the way it's done. Yeah, and and you know he's quiet but menacing. This guy's trying to be menacing, and in fact his his female offside is probably more menacing. Yeah, she's I more successful. She was, I thought she being was menacing the better the better character actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually felt she might have been. Better suited to being the villain, Quite just possibly. because she she had a bit more. I felt more presence, um, and maybe it was just because she doesn't speak as much, and she did have she was a big you know big machete wielder, yeah, which is always useful. But yeah, I just felt the villains kind of get undercut. But it, I mean, it's 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 not really a massive issue because you want to spend time with these guys. You yeah. don't really want to spend that much time with the villains. No, no, no. Would, but I felt, yeah, it would have it would have just, just helped to put it just a little, put it over the top a little bit by having someone that was just a bit, as you said, the, the menace, the level of menace that he kind of displays just isn't isn't quite there. Like, it's yeah. hard to imagine and especially someone like that big unit being bossed around by him, whereas if it was someone with, with a bit more of a, a bit more of that level of menace, then you can cop that. Yeah, and it's very heavily apparent when him and Lang come face to face. Yes. Because Lang's such a commanding actor, it just feels like a mismatch. Yeah, it does. Which it shouldn't. It should be hero and villain kind of on the same footing. But I, I don't want to shit all over it because I don't I didn't think it was the worst villain in 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 horror films, but I just felt no, it didn't kind of stand up to Not by who they were up against. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad by any stretch, but it was just that it'd probably go down as a little bit sort of, you know, forgettable in that sense, I guess. That's probably the right word, I'd say. The film's a bit murky at times. It's, it's a style thing. It's shot in a certain way using... Um, some some underlit sections of the film. There's some stuff in the drug house early on that's lit by like a red, a red light. Mm-hmm. And there are times when you can't see things very well. Yep. Only brief times. And in fact, once it really starts to tee off, they kind of the lighting gets gets right and it, it's fine. But there are just some times where it's a little murky. And I found that a couple of times I was like, "What what just happened there?" Yeah, couldn't quite see it. You know that again. That's a it's a stylistic choice, and I think for the most part, the stylistic stylistic side of what they were doing worked. But just a couple of times, it just felt like scenes weren't lit properly, and it didn't. I couldn't see what was going on. Mm. So I I kind of was oh what happened there? You know, a little bit confused. So you know, again, not a huge issue, but just a, a, a couple of times, I just felt that they missed 
with how it was lit. Yeah, well, I actually did. I there was a couple of times where I used the uh, rewind fifteen seconds button on the on the uh, on the the iPad when I was watching it because of that sort of thing. As you said, for the most part, I felt like it worked that stylistic choice. But there was a couple of sequences where there was similar looking people, and I was like, "Hang on a second, did this just?" Did I just see what I think I saw? And then I would go back and I was like, no, it's a different person. Which So, yeah, and I think that, that comes down to what you were saying. It, it was a little bit, a couple of times, it did get get a little bit difficult to kind of follow what, what had actually just gone on. Yeah. Because, look, I mean, it was obvious what they were going trying to do. They were trying to sort of showcase the whole idea of, you know, the power cuts out, the it's at night, you know, they're trying to sort of create that atmosphere and I appreciated that and I think they did a very good job with that but it just a few times I just felt it was just too too far yeah too far into the darkness so I couldn't tell what was happening yep. my only other issue it just seemed the whole thing that kicked the plot off with lizards stealing the drugs just seemed way too convenient it was a little bit easy. For yeah, her. you just you leave. You leave, yeah, you're running a drug operation. You're leaving your bloody well. You're putting a ton of drugs in there that are worth a heap. Yeah, and you put them in the safe and you're leaving the safe open. Yeah, everyone leaves the room and the safe <laughs> you know, open. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, she just sort of waltzes in and just grabs some stuff and pisses off. It just felt a little bit convenient. Perhaps not as not enough effort put into getting that to happen. Yeah, so it felt real. Yeah, it just kind of felt very generic. In a way, I understand it as kind of like let's let's cut the shit and get to the VFW so we can start this off. Yeah. So we want to get to it quickly. Yep. But it just felt a little bit it lacked of realism. Yeah. You know, I, and, and I shouldn't. You know, it's strange saying that in the movie where people get their <laughs> heads bloody kneed into oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, I would agree. Like, I I, I actually uh, quite liked. The way that it ramped things up by saying, you know, she went into the VFW because and took the drugs because they, her sister was the one that jumped off the, the building. Yes. But then I, I liked the little kicker that that was the guy's brother that they that got fucking blown into oblivion with old mate's head. Yeah. But, yeah, it, I, I liked that part. But you're right, it was a little bit too easy, a little bit too easy for yeah. how it all happened. Um, even just another minute. It unfolded so, too, would have only too, taken too cleanly. Minute. Yeah, another minute or so of screen time to kind of develop something a little bit, little bit neater. Similarly, along those lines, my my last dislike was um, the way George went goes out. Like you looked at the cast, and I was sitting there picking who I thought was going to go early, and he was right up there. He was he was right up on the on the candidates. Oh yeah, because he's barely in it. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm, I expected him to cark it from liver failure. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's you know, as I suggested to you, he was he was in it so briefly that I, I think perhaps his pay was actually the beers they were serving him um, at the bar there. He just turned up for a couple of couple of quiet schooners and then fucking off he went. <laughs> but the, the the way that he goes out was just really silly. And as you said, it sounds funny to say something like this in a movie of this kind of nature, but. I mean, Jesus, even the most stubborn bastard wouldn't walk out after someone's had their fucking... Someone's been blown up and there's already a fucking arm laying on the floor of the VFW, I believe, by that point. So, <laughs> <laughs> Even the most stubborn yeah. prick wouldn't just kind of wander out there and say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get the car. Yeah, like, nah. Come on, you silly bastard. That's not... That's it not almost happening. felt like they needed to get rid of him quick. Yeah, it seemed like one you of had those... One, it seemed like one of those scenes where they were trying to establish that the threat was there. Even though they weren't banging the doors down, you weren't safe to, to head outside, but it just seemed like, again, just too too easy, just too... I mean, he just fucking wanders out. <laughs> yeah, he wanders out and just gets nailed like yeah. in two seconds and it kind of just felt anticlimactic too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone else earned their deaths, you know, like all the other... Guys in the VFW who died went out on, you know, fighting and kicking and screaming. Yeah. And George just kind of goes out like a, you know, like a wet fart. He just kind of walks. <laughs> yeah, he just gets himself out. out. <laughs> he's Makes a heap of noise. Leaves some things behind. <laughs> yeah, and you finish up thinking, well, that was fucking unpleasant, wasn't it? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you giggle and then you go, ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah, too much. <laughs> yeah, I think um, uh, you you kind of put it well there, like saying that everyone everyone's everyone else sort of sort of went out in a fashion that you you were kind of expecting people to go out in, whereas his was just he was just thrown to the wolves basically. Like you knew yeah. what was going to happen the second he kind of just strolled out there. Like there was no surprise to it. So yeah, that was that was a slight disappointment when every every everyone else sort of was was handled pretty well. Yeah, great. Uh, have you got anything else, man? No, that was that was all of it. All right, that's VFW again. Big thanks to Luke for um, putting this one on our radar. I've I've heard from him a few times. He's given me a few little tips and uh, films to watch, and he's pretty much on the money most of the time. So, thanks again, Luke. We really appreciate you getting in touch with us and uh, putting you onto this, putting us onto this one. Yeah, maybe we should be listening to him instead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you suggest brain scan, I might say no, no. Next week, brain scan. Yeah, fuck you. All right, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podomatic. Send us an email at thrillme at ionet.net.au. We're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia, Podomatic at thrillme.podomatic.com and Instagram at thrillmepodcast.au. Please rate and review. You're doing nothing else. I've reiterated it last time. You're sitting on your date. <laughs> Just get on there, rate and review. I don't care if it's, if it's you know, giving us a, a gobful for our shit performance. <laughs> yeah. Keep an eye on the we Facebook take critical page. feedback, mate. Yeah, I think we can We probably it. need it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Keep an eye on our Facebook page for details of the next episode. But until then, take it easy, take care of yourself, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.